we go to your word today, I thank you that the same anointing that was in here last week and that we ask to be in here every time that we preach and we hear your word taught, Lord, that you fall fresh on us today. Lord, that your word comes alive and that you make a difference in our lives. Change us from the inside out. Let us hear from you today. Anoint my, my lips and my words and my tongue and let them penetrate into their hearts. God, I thank you for it and receive it by faith. And everybody said, amen. say a little bit louder than that. Say amen. amen. Turn to 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. As I said here in my offering, we've been teaching on what belongs to us. This would be part five. This belongs to us, part five. I did, uh, last week was the first one focused on healing, and I plan to continue on healing today, uh, although I do have some additional thoughts and things that are on my heart, and we'll see where the Lord leads me. But 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Whenever we talk about anything concerning God, as I said last week, the, one of the best barometers that we have is looking at Jesus. You know, when, uh, and I talk about my kids often, number one, because I love them. Number two, they're super cute. Number three, they make really good sermon analogies. Like really good. Like I could like, you know, if I wanted to put my whole life on social media, which I don't, I could just turn around my phone probably multiple times every day and tell you what happened and then turn into a sermon right there on Facebook Live. I mean, it's just, there's moment after moment. They'll say something, do something. But one of the things that I, I often, um, they'll, they'll do something and I'm like, man, that is your mother. <laughs> or they'll do something else. Kaylee will start talking and start telling a story. Like I was telling you about the family that we... Um, ministered to the, the other day and uh, we were out and about and Kaylee started talking to them and telling them this story and she started talking with her hands and it was almost like preach came on her. I'm like, that is me. Like that is me right there. Like, like, like just, you could see the gene. I mean, I know she's a girl and I know she's five, but man, it just, that was all dad right there. You know, if you look at a child, a lot of times you can see the parents. You can see mannerisms. You can see indications. You can see personality. You can see temperament. You can see things come out. Now, that's not, uh, you know, thank God God gave us free will and gave us our own personalities. And so that's not to the core. But when it came to Jesus, it is. Because he actually said, and as I quoted last week, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was saying, I, I am the Father in the flesh. John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us, uh, or, or chapter 1, the first chapter of the book of John tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Talking about Jesus. God, who is His Word, made Jesus, the Word, become flesh. When Jesus came... He came to exemplify who God was. And we covered a lot of that last week, and I talked about the difference between God and the devil, and the devil's agenda and God's agenda, and how Jesus came to fulfill that. And, and I, wanted, I didn't get a chance to, to quote this scripture last week or show you this one, and I felt like I'd be amiss in all of this conversation if I did not talk about this. Because Jesus came on a mission. And the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, 8, what that mission is. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. There again, we see the juxtaposition of the devil and God. 
devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. My dog has uh, grown past small puppy stage, and now he's in like adult dog size puppy brain stage. When he gets a hold of something, piece of paper, one of the kid's toys, my shoes, whatever it is, when he gets a hold of them and determines that it's his, it, it, it doesn't sort of get messed up. Like we find it, I, what, here's what typically happens is I can't find something and then I come and I find a sliver of it. Like, I'm like, where, where, who left this out? Who left the door open, right? And you go into that mode. And then I go and I go outside or go out back or go in his little areas and I begin to find piece after piece after piece after piece after smaller piece after bigger piece after piece after piece. Because when Oreo, our dog, gets something, he determines it's his, he wants to destroy it. He wants, I mean, I'm talking about with something that he wants to play with, something he wants to, I don't know why dogs love paper, but he, I mean, we come home sometimes with the kids, they like to color, they like to draw, they're young. They'll leave out, you know, a notebook. We come home, notebook gone. Destroyed. Ring binder left, that's it. And then we proceed to sweep the floor for about an hour from all the paper. It's destroyed. When Jesus came, he came not to just mess with the devil. Not to flirt with the devil, not to play games with the devil. The Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3, 8, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. When I drew a line last week and tried to put in you, and I don't have time to go to, to get drawn back into that, you got to go and hear the message. But when Jesus says, when God says that he came to destroy the works of the devil, that's why it's so important you understand what's from God and what's from the devil. Because when you understand the devil and you understand that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, when you see stealing in your life, when you see killing in your life, when you see destruction in your life, you know that's the devil coming to harm me, coming to put sickness on me, coming to put disease on me, coming to hurt my family, coming to attack my kids, coming to steal from my finances, coming to do whatever it is. Jesus came to destroy that. To destroy the works of the devil. So when we look at Jesus' life, his ministry, what he did, you look at it. Whenever you study scripture, you should always look at it through the lens of other scripture. It, all, it should all work together. That's why you can't just pull out one piece of scripture. That's why I like to read uh, during the offering. Read the Old Testament and read New Testament. B because some people like to say, oh, well, giving was done away with in the Old Testament, yet Jesus talked about it. Jesus sat and watched the treasury. You know, and I like to talk. So, so when you look at this scripture and you see, okay, in 1 John, it says this. Then let's look at Jesus. Let's look at what he did. Let's look at, at, how, at how he approached things. At how he, when he went to, to heal somebody, how it came across. How, how, did, how did he approach it? How did he say they received their healing? You know, the majority of times... And we see Jesus heal people. Uh, um, he, he said this statement or implied this statement or made something to the fact to say, daughter or son, 
It's your faith that's made you whole. Now that's interesting. We also see many times it was Jesus' compassion for people. His compassion for people. If you're believing for, for healing for someone else, start by asking God to put a compassion in you for his people. If you're believing for healing for your kids, God, let me see them the way you see them. Because many times Jesus was walking with his people, with his disciples, and saw a funeral procession. And the Bible says he was moved with compassion and went over to the weeping woman and said, basically said, stop weeping. Healed her child that was dead. They were in the middle of a funeral procession going to bury them. He said, no, get up and told her to stop weeping. Because he cares. I told you last week that he cares about your body. He care, God cares about your body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? If, you, uh, if, if the Holy Spirit were a person. Like if, like, and and I, I know we, well, let me like get on to theology for a second. Just, just go with my story. Here we go. If the Holy Spirit were a person, he's coming over for dinner. He says, hey, can I stay? Like, sure. Let me just put a couple things together. And you go down into your basement. You pull, put together some old musty, dusty stuff. Or worse, you go say, hey, you know what? I've got a doghouse out back. It's real dirty. I actually haven't been out there in several years. I'm not really sure, but you can stay out there. Or, or I've got a, uh, a shack or a shanty or whatever. I've got some, you know, uh, thrown together thing. Now, I'm going to stay in here. But you can stay out there. It's broken down. It's defeated. It's dusty. It's dirty. It's unholy. But that's all, I, that's all I've got. When we talk about our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit, it's dishonorable to God for it to not be in the best condition possible for him to live in. And he cares about our body. Like, like he cares about our body. He cares if. If he didn't, then why did Jesus go around healing everybody? Why did he want healing? Why did he desire it for others? And as I said last week, he, he never once put sickness on someone else. And if you look at Lazarus and you were to study those scriptures, you know, uh, Lazarus died. Lazarus was a friend of God, a friend of Jesus. And, 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 and Jesus wept when he went. He was saddened by the fact that Lazarus died. He was upset about it. And then Jesus said, or the, the family said, why, basically, why did this happen? Now, some people take that scripture because he says, well, this is for the glory of the Lord. What he was saying was, is I'm going to show you the glory of the Lord. You see, see, people like to take scripture and they'll say, well, see, he died so that, no, he died because he died. We don't know why he died. We don't know whether he was sick. We don't know whether there was an accident. We don't know whether, you know, a donkey ran over him. We don't know why he died. But what we know is, is that Jesus made it clear that my glory is going to be shown today. When you receive healing in your body, when you receive healing in your body, it glorifies God. It glorifies God. It makes God happy. And it gives, when you, can you imagine going to someone else? And saying, God healed me, and them being like, oh, you know, whatever. No, they're, they're interested. They're interested. You know, and let me just say this. There is no other God on this planet that heals people. 
You can pray to Shiva and to Buddha and to whoever else you can do new age prayers and nuances and, and, and spiritual stuff. When, when, I, when I first came to Columbia, we hadn't even moved here yet. And there was, a, there was a woman who somehow stumbled on our website that had been to Family Worship Center Florence, called me up and said, hey, are you in Columbia yet? This was in like January. Our church was launching in March. And, and I was like, no, but I'll, I'll come. What's going on? She had a child who was actually a young adult, but it was her daughter. She was a young adult, I think 19, 20, something like that. And, and, and she had gotten, you know, mixed up in nuances and all these different types of prayers and lighting candles and doing all this, this stuff and had gotten some sort of oppression of the devil on her and had been put in mental institutions several times. And she came and she asked me to go and pray for her. Well, you know, like, I wasn't even like officially a pastor yet. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, all right, man, this got real quick. I mean, we went from like, you know, associate to all of a sudden I'm going to mental hospitals and laying hands on people. You know, this got real quick. And so, and so I went, I prayed, studied, fasted a little bit before I went made sure I was right. Made sure I was prepared. You know what I mean? Went in there and, uh, you know, trying to figure out what to do. It's the first time I've ever been in a situation like this. I'm trying to figure out how to do it. And in the middle of talking to her, I, I, she was asking me, how do I, how do I deal with, how do I deal with this is basically what she was asking. And I told her, I said, you know, the Bible tells us life and death is in the power of your tongue. And I began talking to her about how she should talk. But in the middle of doing it, something flipped in me. And I began talking not to her, but to the spirit that was dealing with her. And I got authoritative. I had heads turning in the room, not trying to beat, not, I wasn't trying to draw attention, but you know, when they do this, they don't put you in a room by yourself with the people. They put you in a room with other people. So she was all trying to be private off to the side and she didn't want anybody to hear her and all this. Well, we're off to the side. I got authoritative and I began speaking. I said, and you begin talking to whatever's oppressing you and you take authority and you say, in the name of Jesus, get out of me. In the name of Jesus, get off of me. In the name of Jesus, leave me alone. And you take authority because Jesus came and the Bible says that he had authority and he passed that authority to his disciples and he said that you will tread on serpents, you will walk over, that, that nothing shall by any means harm you. And I began talking like that and, I, and it was like kind of even weird for me because I realized I'm not talking to her and, and I don't think either one of us blinked for whatever length of time, however many minutes it was. And then it was over. Something was different in her that day. Now, she couldn't stay here. She ended up going off to her, to her, her dad's in another state. But thankfully, he believed similar, got her in a good church. And, and last I heard, she, uh, that church continued to do, do the same thing, pray for her, help her. And they got her uh, back on her feet, living normally, living life, progressing forward. I think she went to school and do different things. What, what, what happened? What happened? We took authority against what the devil was trying to do. We took, I took authority. See, I went in there knowing something that she didn't know. I went in there realizing something that she didn't realize. And I took authority over the situation. I want you to, to write this down. We are divinely commanded in God's word to seek healing. 
And I want to go further and look into what, what some things that Jesus did. But before I do, I want you to get this. Because some people wonder, and I, you know, hey, uh, God, I know God can heal, and, and he healed my grandma, and I've heard about that, but, you know, they don't feel like, like it's, it's something they, they, they need to do, that they, like that they need to seek it. That, that is, you know, like, well, well, am I supposed to seek healing? Am I supposed to ask God to heal me? Am I supposed to, you know, is it right for me to ask God to heal my body? I want you to look at James chapter 5, verses 13. And on, we'll, I, we'll see where I, I finish, but we're going to start in verse 13. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Psalms. Verse 14, Ch- James chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Nowhere does it say, now, if you're sick, I want you to start praying, asking God, you know, why, why, why are you sick? What, what happened? You know, make sure it's okay. You know, start asking him, you know, what kind of lesson is he trying to teach you? You know, because this is what, when, when you hear people all, all the time, I hear it all the time. I see it on Facebook. I see people post stuff and they'll say, oh, you know, this came on my family. I'm not sure what God's trying to teach them, but I know it's his will. I can't find it anywhere in God's word that it's, will that it, that it's God's will that anyone be sick. And if it is, then why would James tell us to pray? Like, like it's like immediate. Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. What does the next verse say? And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person makes much power available. That's what that means. Avails much. Read the Amplified. It says makes much power available. When when you find sickness on your body, you have every right as a believer to take authority over the sickness from the devil. It's, it's, It's his sickness. It's, it's his calamity. It's his problem. It's his issue. You have authority to, to, go, to pray, to come and ask a pastor to pray. You, you should do those things. When, when someone, and I do this often, I'll say, does is, is anyone need prayer? And I, sometimes I'm specific. I might say, I might have something on my heart. I might say, like, you know, if you've gotten a report or you've gotten, you know, if you have cancer in your body, I might be specific. Usually I'm not. And I'm not because this says, let him pray. If you're suffering, let him pray. If you're not, if you're in the seats, then that's when you sing. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing. Let him praise God. Let him be joyful. But if you're suffering, if you're sick, God, God, God doesn't need to teach you. Let me just show you something. God doesn't need to teach you through sickness. God doesn't need to teach you through sickness. In 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction and for instruction in righteousness. When God sent the Holy Spirit, he said he'll bring all things to your remembrance. He was saying that everything that I've taught, everything that's in, that the Holy Spirit will help you, will help confirm in your spirit what I told you and what my word says and what my will is. And that anything the Holy Spirit tells you will not contradict me. So how are we corrected? How does God deal with us? How does God instruct us? If you have kids in this room, how many of y'all from day one have just thought, well, they'll learn it on their own? Anyone? How many of you have corrected your children? Both hands up, right? All of us. We correct our children. We say, no, you don't do that. No, you don't go out in the street. No, you don't, you don't do that. No, 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 no. Stop. Stop. I mean, the only, the only, the only time I've you know, had to like repent in the last couple of years is dealing with my children, man. Like, God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get that mad. I'm like, this is a two-year-old. I'm getting upset, you know. Calm down. They'll be all right, you know. But what do we do? Why are we doing that? Why do we get upset? Why do we get that way? Because we care for them, because we're trying to teach them, because we're trying to improve their life. And we all have methods as parents for doing that. God's method for teaching you is in his word and by his spirit confirming his word. It's right there. Second, Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. And then, and then read, read all throughout numerous times Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit and why he was sending him. That's how God teaches us. So, let me go on. Jesus heals the sick to fulfill the promises of his word. God, I told you at the beginning, Jesus is his word. Jesus is his word. When Jesus heals somebody, when we look at, look at what he did in the Bible, look at what he did, in, and we, what did I say? We've seen him, we've seen God. Everybody say amen. amen. He did it to fulfill his word. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. Jesus is the word, so he cannot contradict him on his own self. Jesus, God, is truth. God, God cannot lie. He, he cannot say one thing and then be something else. And so in Matthew 8, 16 and 17, when evening had come, they brought to him, to Jesus, many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick. Some... A few, all. He healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and he bore our sicknesses. Number three of my points for today. Jesus, God, and I'm saying them interchangeably because we know it's God the Father and God the Son. And we know that when Jesus walked the earth, he showed us who God was. And Jesus never did this. God never did this. God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't love the person next to you more than he loves the person on the other side of the room. He doesn't love somebody across seas more than he loves you in this room. God is no respecter of persons. He's not given, the, the Bible says he's given to everyone a measure of faith. And he's given everyone his word. He's given everyone, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you the same. Reveals the word to you the same. Comforts you the same. Helps you the same. 
God doesn't love, God doesn't, doesn't heal someone else. I think sometimes that, that, that we've allowed people to make excuses for why someone didn't get healed. Look, if you don't know, if you don't know why someone didn't get healed, just say this, this quote scripture, because that's what I try to do. When I don't know, I quote God's word. You know what God's word says? It says the secret things belong to the Lord. I, I, I don't like, like if, why would I come up with a bunch of junk to explain something I don't know? I'm just going to tell you I don't know, but I can tell you what I do know. I can tell you what I can see clearly in Scripture. I can tell you what's in, in New Testament, New, uh, New Covenant for us, and then what I can, what's backed by the Old Testament and the Scriptures, which types and shadows. I can see, I can show you. I can make it clear and plain. It's been made plain to me. And, and so I don't have to wonder who God is anymore. I don't want you to wonder, well, does God want me healed? I don't want you, I don't want a person in our church, I don't want anybody watching online, anybody listens to this podcast, anybody hears back from this to ever have that thought or make that statement again. The answer is yes. Yes, he wants you healed. I, 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 don't, I don't know why you haven't received it yet, but if you ask God to show you, he'll show you. I told you last week, before I get to, to my, my scripture, I'm going to read about respective persons. I want to just get, finish my story from last week because I mentioned about my back and I didn't get to finish the story. I didn't get to finish explaining how God healed my back. I had, uh, I felt, I told you, I felt like, man, you know, I don't know if I, it, like, it's my fault. Like I played all these sports. I did all these things. It's my fault why I have this back pain. And what would happen is, is I would pray and I'd ask God to heal me and he would, t- he would touch me. Seriously, I would get healed, back pain would leave, muscles would relax, uh, my, my spine, I mean, you know, and you, you learn things like I learned in college all about the central nervous system and how all that works and all this gets in your head. And instead of just believing God's word, I begin to think about it and overthink it. Anybody ever done that? I, I, just, I just was like all in my head about it. And, and then... And time after time, I'd get healed, and then the pain would come back. And I'd get healed, and then the pain would come back. And, and, and I was like, you know what? I kind of just got numb to it. I kind of just got used to it. I kind of just got to the point where I was like, you know what? I guess this is just part of my life. But one day, in hearing Pastor Steve and hearing other great men of God preach on this thing, it lit up with inside me. No. No. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't want me to walk. God doesn't want, a, a, you know, at the time, I don't know how old I was, late 20s, 30, you know, say 30. God doesn't want a 30-year-old man to wake up feeling 80. Like, I'm not joking. Like, I would wake up and just feel like, you know, like, I mean, and I'm not 80. I don't know what an 80-year-old person feels like. But, man, I mean, that's what, like, I've seen them hunched over and see them, you know, kind of have to, you know, take five minutes to straighten up their back. That's what I felt like at 30, at 25, 26, 28. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm not living like that. God didn't call me to live like that. Jesus didn't die on the cross, shed his blood for me to wake up. No. Man, I'm, I'm called to, let me, let me tell you something else that dropped down in my heart while my blood pressure's high. I'm just kidding, it's not. <laughs> I'm just kidding, that's a joke. It's just because I got excited is what I'm saying. But, but listen, I got, I got to thinking, God's called me, like, if, I, if my back feels this way right now, and I allow it to just go on and get worse and get worse and get worse, it's going to hinder me in what I'm called to do when I am 80. Like, I'm planning on preaching until I, like, like I'm, till I'm done. Like, like, when I mean done, like, you know what I mean, like, I ain't here anymore. 
That was bad grammar, but I plan on fulfilling God's call in my life every day I can for the rest of my life and go as hard as I can, run as fast as I can, do all that I can, and I don't want any sickness or disease to hold me up, and you should feel the same way about your body and your life. And so I got fired up about it, and still am, still am, because what I realized is that, okay, wait, it's like all of a sudden this light bulb came on. Well, if, if, I, if I could pray that way and feel good during the day, then I'll wake up that way. Maybe the way I'm sleeping, God showed me the way I'm sleeping, the way I would contort my back and just, I'd, I'd sleep like a madman, I guess. I don't know. And the way I was doing it was like really bad. The mattresses, all these things were really bad for my back. And that's why I would wake up that way. So I began praying and asking God, okay, heal my back. My back is healed. I receive that healing in Jesus' name. I have no back. I'm not going to have back pain in Jesus' name. And God, you're going to show me how to sleep. You know, if you've slept the same way for 30 years, that's not going to just change overnight. God, help me. Now, when I do sleep incorrectly, I thank you for healing my back. And God, I thank you for helping me sleep better so I don't wake up that way. Do you hear me today? There are things in your life, medicines you've had to take or chosen to take, things that you've done, the way you've eaten, the things, decisions that you've made, whatever it is, that does not discount God's word. It does not change God's promises. When I title this message, this series of messages, this group of messages, this belongs to me, I wanted you to understand and get it down in your heart, that you never forget, that you never have a misnomer or a misunderstanding. God's promises belong to me because he loves me, because he cares for me. We're using things to motivate our kids a lot right now. And we're, 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 I mean, I'm using anything to try to, you know, hey, I'll barter with you. You know, you, okay, all right. If you want to clean your, or if you want to do such and such, let's clean your room. Well, now Kaylee's gotten real smart. Do I have to clean everything in my room? What if I just clean the Legos? And she starts, she starts, she's already like delegating at five. She's like, and Madison will clean this. And then Josh, I'm like, Josh is too, we can't clean anything. You know, she's like trying to figure it all out. I said, no, if you want to eat cookies or whatever it is we're going to do, you know, something fun. And I motivate them that way. I, I, if, if they mess up and they don't do the thing, do you know how much I still want them to have cookies? Yes. Yes. Am I upset they didn't clean the room? Sure. Do I wish she would have listened quickly and happily? Yes. But does it change how much I love her? No. Because usually she's super cute when she disobeys, so it's almost like I love her more. Does it change how much I want to bless her? How much... The promise that I made to her, does it change that promise? Now, if I stand true to that, her accessibility to receiving the promise is still the same. But the promise that I made to her still applies. Do you understand? God said, Jesus said, if you being evil as parents know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly father who loves you want to bless you? And in one gospel, he even talks about that same story and talks about how God wants to give the Holy Spirit and how he'll give the Holy Spirit to anyone who wants him. 
Which brings me back to my point that God doesn't love you or you or you or you or you or anyone watching online any more than he loves the next person. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Brother Andre, wherever you're at, if you'll come up, I'm going to wrap up. He shows no partiality. What does that mean? He's no respecter of persons. He doesn't respect, he's not partial. Now look at James chapter 2, verse 9. This is so interesting. He says, but if you show partiality, you commit sin. Now he was instructing the church that if someone comes in and they're, 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 they're you know, you could tell they're well off and they're, they're in nice clothes and they're wearing nice stuff and you treat them better than you, show, than you treat someone that comes in in rags and, and, and torn clothes and no money. He was, James was instructing them, you can't do that. Those are both God's people. Now catch this, this is so important. This is so important. He says, you can't treat them any different than you treat the other person. If you do that, you commit sin. And are convicted by the law as a transgressor. Now, let me ask you a question. Can God sin? Is God sin? Why would God instruct his church not to be partial and then choose himself to be partial? He can't. That that would make God a transgressor. Because anything he would ask you to do, he, he, can't, he can't go against his own ordinances and things that he's asked us to do. Plus it says in Acts 10.34, God's not partial. God's no respecter of persons. If God healed your grandmother and she had some miracle thing brought off of her body, I believe the same for you. Now I, I, and I, and I use my story in my back to show you that sometimes God will heal you and then give you instructions on how to keep your healing, how to work with. You know, listen, there are some medicines, like if you just came off of that medicine, you would really need a miracle. I'm not recommending that you do that unless, you, unless you've had like a real visit, touch from God type situation. I mean, seriously, unless you know, you know, let me, let me add this to why I'm talking about doctors because I'm for doctors. I'm, I think doctors are great. When you go to a doctor to get a report or whatever, or you've had a report, and you're going back, go in faith. Like, like go believing for, like, I, I don't want to go to a doctor asking them to confirm the sickness. I want to go and for them to say, I don't know what the other doctor found. I don't know what they, what they showed in initial results. But today, I see no sickness, no cancer, no disease. That's what you go. That's what you go. And, and I think that's great. And, and then work with them. They say do these things, you know, work, work with, don't work against them. But, but also, and more importantly, don't work against God's word. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? I, I hope you're getting what I'm trying to say these last two weeks. God wants you healed. God wants healing to flow from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. There's not one ounce of you that he wants in pain or suffering. His son took all that on the cross for you so that you don't have to. 
And when you have it, when it comes up, when you feel sick, when you get the sniffles, when you get something trying to attack your body, I've had it. Let me tell you what I do. I get mad at it. Because I know immediately, I believe what I preached to you these last two weeks. That is from the devil. That cold, that sniffle, that thing. When it comes to my children, don't have faith for this yet. They don't understand this yet. Well, the other day, Madison got a runny nose. I laid hands. She thought I was nuts. She was trying to fight off of me. I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke and curse that. In Jesus' name, get off of her. In a day, gone. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was a cold. I don't know if it was a just, you know, sometimes kids just get like, you know, an allergy type. I don't know. I don't, I don't really care. I don't want my kids sick. And I don't want her getting any of us sick. I ain't got time to be sick right now. Get out of here. Get out. You know, sometimes I will figuratively go to my front door, open it up and remind the devil, you are not welcome here. Get out. Let me help you out. Did you bring any bags with you? I'll put them on the front porch. Get out. Get out. Stand up on your feet with me. God, I thank you. Lord, that I believe you're, I I sense faith rising in the room. And I sense, Lord, that you have stirred something new in everyone who's online and those in person today. I want you to do this with me. I did this last week, and I don't do things like this unless I feel led, but I really feel strongly about this. I want you to lift your hands right now. Listen to what I've, with your hands lifted, listen to what I'm about to say. When you receive something by faith, if I were to tell you that whatever you're believing for, healing, whatever it is, is outside those doors, it has your name on it, it's provided for you. If it was a car, it's in your name, whatever. In order for you to receive it, you have to go by faith. You don't, you haven't seen it yet, you just heard me tell you about it. But by faith, you say, okay, I'm gonna go out that door and I'm gonna get what's mine. I want you by faith, to receive your healing today. God, I'm not gonna talk sick anymore. I'm not gonna talk defeated anymore. I'm not gonna let the devil run rampant in my life anymore. By faith, I receive. God, I speak over every person in this building today. God, I ask that your healing, anointing, and power drops down in this place and that you touch everybody's, every body, every, every heart, every lung, every muscle, every bone, every ache, every pain. God, I speak healing over them in Jesus' name. That's your healing power. Not anything that we're doing, but by your power and by your might. And that you'll be glorified, that people will know you, that they'll be able to, they'll have a testimony for their friends. Someone they told about the pain, they'll say, guess what my God did on Sunday? I went in feeling this way and I left feeling a different way. God healed me and touched my body and I'm never going to be the same. God is for me and not against me. My God heals He healed back then and he heals today in Jesus' name. God, I thank you that that'll be their testimony in Jesus' name. That'll be their their story in Jesus' name. They don't have to go by the story of other people. They don't have to go by the story of sick and disease. That God, you will touch them in Jesus' name. God, I call it so. Mental, mental issues mental capacities, uh, um, um, uh, anything, anything that's causing depression 
and anxiety. I lift it off of them in Jesus' name. God, let your spirit come in and lift it off of them. God, let it leave and stay, never touching them again. Go back to hell where it belongs. Anxiety and depression aren't welcome in my house. Anxiety and depression aren't welcome in my family. I will not be defeated and I cannot quit. Will you give him a microphone? God, touch them today. Touch them today. Touch them today. Receive it. I believe Receive it right now. As we sing this and declare it, receive your healing. And I believe you.